You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Well, welcome everybody globally. And wherever you are, I've done this so many times now, I'm not listing all the countries, so here's how it goes. Anyone, anywhere, welcome. Everyone, everywhere, welcome. Globally, generationally, welcome. I think it would have been quicker to say all the countries. Anyway, you know, I've got a word I want to share, and uh, you know, as you think through the whole idea about... um, last words, whenever someone's about to slip into eternity, whenever someone's about to uh, leave something significant, they leave last words. And last words carry weight, and Jesus' last words were no different. His last words, recorded in Matthew 28, this is what he says, verse 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples. Everyone say disciples. This is not new if you've been following us on on the season that we're in baptizing them in the name or the nature, immersing them completely in the nature of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all, everyone say all, all that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's pretty full-on last words, and I have one question. Why? Why? Like, why? Why disciples as opposed to just good people who believe? How many realize our world would settle for just a bunch of good people who don't riot? Who don't spread disease? I mean, we just, the world would be an amazing place if we just had some good people. So Jesus, why, why disciples as opposed to good? Why teach instead of suggest? Don't you know it's 2020, Lord? Why immerse them in the nature of God as opposed to the occasional reminder about God? Why? Like, overkill God? Why do all that was commanded? Whatever happened to the good old eat the meat, spit out the bones, and just take what's culturally relevant? Pretty full-on last words. Is is this depth of last word and this weight of last words such that we just encourage religious fanaticism Isn't it overkill? I mean, if I'm not a bad person, I go to church occasionally, come on, isn't that enough? As opposed to, I don't don't kill people, I don't cause trouble, I don't steal, I don't do bad stuff. It's like the argument, I don't know what you were like at school, but people who get 53% would be like, oh man, that's 3% too much. I wasted time studying. You know, there's some who would go for 85, 90, 95%, but really... It was this minimalistic approach because, come on, we're all going to the next grade, 51, 91. What's the difference? If I'm going to heaven, what's the big deal? You know, Caleb, my youngest son, uh, early in the year, some test, I don't know how they graded it, but they turned out that they ranked in the class where he scored. And he was, out of a class of 30, he was uh, third last. And uh, I said, Caleb, third last, are you happy with that? He goes, Dad, there's two people worse than me. That's literally his response. That's what a lot of Christians are like. Well, I'm not as bad as the people out there. I didn't at least, well, I didn't commit adultery. I didn't, oh, but, he, but I'm not as bad as the neighbor. And that is our approach. And then Jesus' last words come and they give such weight. And yet, if we're not careful, we think this is just for the Christians who have no hobbies. 
Because this disciple immersion, full on, sounds like for those who are bored but really don't have a life. And yet, the why question is answered simply. Why discipleship? Because discipleship and with discipleship comes depth. Depth. Depth is the infrastructure within you that allows roots to grow when seeds are sown so that when the shaking comes, you don't fall away. When the storm hits, the plant isn't uprooted. Depth matters. And I want to tell you, the shaking of 2020 isn't over. 2020 will be over soon, but I don't believe the shaking is over. I'm not a doom and gloom prophet. I'm not any of that. But I want to tell you, I feel in my spirit, it's only the beginning. See, the war against humanity isn't an annual calendar thing. It's demonically inspired. And yet in the season, like this with all that's going on globally in every sphere Christians who should have the deepest roots are falling apart because this shaking isn't seasonal it's generational it's after your it's after our kids this this shaking isn't over it's it's global it's national it's local it's also personal and and deep roots mean that large strong trees are the result and that has many benefits it's shade from the scorching sun. It's more fruit. It's nest capacity for birds. It allows so much to happen. And yet beyond the positive, it's more than just a blessing in the calm. It's a rock in the storm. Deep roots have more benefits than just the size and the appearance and what it brings in the good days. It actually holds you in the bad days. And the parable of the seed and the sower is one that everybody knows fairly well. And the second soil is one that, I, that interests me today. The first one is pavement. The best one is 30, 60, and 100-fold. And I still believe and declare that should be the byproduct of every believer who's truly planted, who's truly rooted. And yet, the third soil is thorns. We won't go into that today. The second soil is shallow soil. There's no depth. The seed is sown, but it doesn't take root. With discipleship comes depth. Everyone say depth. Depth. Let me read to you Matthew 13, 20 to 21. Here's Jesus' explanation. But he who receives seed on stony places, this is the shallow soil one, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Now that's good. That's good. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, he stumbles. So it's describing the kind of believer that is excited when they hear the sermon, but because there's no depth, the first sign of a shaking, a trial, a tribulation, a hardship, and it's gone. This is really a great segue to my very simple first point. Your depth determines your destiny. Your depth determines your destiny. You could receive the word with joy, and that's great. By the way, when I say be, have depth, that's not like this stern look like. What's wrong with you? I'm a deep Christian. Like, receive the word with joy is better than receiving the word with misery, all right? So receive the word with joy today. But you got some people who think deep Christians are those guys who are just like, my joy is so deep. No one has seen it in decades, but it's there because I'm deep that's not we're not looking for that sort of christian depth is not speaking about the, the 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 depressed look on your face depth is infrastructure just like the depth or the foundation of a building determines its height your depth determines your destiny and when you think of infrastructure you know the word instruction 
It's an interesting word. Instruction literally means structure inside. It's structure within. That's instruction. You know, Galatians 4.19, Pastor Mervin's favorite verse, talks about, I labor until Christ is formed in you. See, that's what teaching or information is supposed to do. It's meant to form something in you. The seed of the Word of God is supposed to form, but that only forms when there, there's a womb called structure. See, the, the word seed is the word sperma, which means literally where we get the word life from, where, where it carries the potential of life. But just like sperm needs a womb to grow in, in your soul, when the seed hits your heart, if there's no internal structure, if there's no depth inside of who you are, that seed can't grow in the first sign of trouble and it's over. We miscarry so much of what we hear because our wombs don't have depth. Jesus' last words weren't weighted so we could cre create a stern Christian cult. His last words were so weighted because he wanted you to have the depth that would survive the storms of life. And really, he wanted all that was formed in you to actually have the ability to grow within you. You're like, instruction, I, take stru I, I like structure. I'm pretty structured. I mean, I read instructions. This is what instruction means. I'm glad you received the word with joy because it's about to be tested. <laughs> Here's what instruction means in the Hebrew. Ready? Discipline. It's left the building. The joy's left. Chastening. Correction. Gets worse. Warning. Reproof. Punishment. If there's any joy left, stay. Don't leave. You're like, yeah, but you say another language? Oh, I'll give you the Greek. The Greek actually is better. It's going to be a lot more like what we think. In the Greek, instruction means education by chastening that's what it means in greek it means not education by webinar education by chastening not education by three points education by chastening the, if you want the other phrase on the other half of it means to learn by discipline here's the point shallow soil is the result of a person that does not have structure within because they have resisted discipline. You heard it quoted in Proverbs 5, 12, the fool who says, oh, how I hated instruction. That didn't mean he didn't like the webinar. I hated discipline, correction, reproof, warning. I hated it. There's his second phrase is my heart spurned reproof. So to hear instruction, the way the Bible talks about it, is to embrace discipline. You know, I, but as a single guy growing up in Perth, before I went to Malaysia to start Kingdom City, I uh, had a house and I had a bunch of guys I was mentoring who were probably seven, eight years younger than me. Spare rooms, they came in, we'd do devotions in the morning. And, you know, sadly, if I look at it now in that season, a lot of those guys that I mentored or I tried to help shape, uh, a, a number of them, I'd say the majority of them are probably not even following God. Some of them are, I don't know all of them where they're at today, but it's, it's a bit sad for me to think, and I know that everyone has to take responsibility for their own journey, so I don't feel a wrong sense of weight around it. But when I really think about it, the number of them who would resist correction, resist discipline. Listen, that attitude, oh, no, that's not, no, or defensive, always got an argument, always got a comeback, always got something else to just know. And what, what, what's, what was happening? They were resisting instruction. So no depth, because 
you resist infrastructure. No structure was formed. And so even though seed was sown, first sign of hardship, trial, life, disappear. Why? Because when you reject discipline, you reduce structure. You reduce your depth. And that depth is the second soil Christian. And that's why you'll be frustrated with people who don't know how to embrace this the right way. And that's why when you see people fall away when the first sign of hardship comes. And listen, there's been no year like 2020 to test who has depth of soil and who doesn't. It's because we say things like, change me, God, but don't challenge me. You know, discipline forms the structure within that allows you to hold the seed and grow deep roots, which leads me to my second point. Your discipline determines your depth. So if your depth determines your destiny, your discipline determines your depth. And you're like, this is not a very nice Sunday. I'm not really uh, excited about this word today. This is the point. You know, where do you think the word disciple comes from? What does it sound like? In order to receive the teaching, I need the structure that comes with discipline. And discipline never feels good. That's why when you send your kids to school, it's a good idea because it's more than the teaching they get, it's the discipline they get. They have to get up at a certain time. They have to wear clothes they would never normally want to wear. They have to go and sit in a class next to a kid they probably don't want to sit next to. And they have to follow a rhythm and a timetable, and then they have to get up, and then there's a rhythm around it. If, if kids only went to school when they felt like it, they would never grow. And the discipline of rhythm and routine actually shapes them more than ever. What has been stolen in our season this year? Rhythm and discipline. And, and, the, and then the discipline of primary and high school is wonderful, which is also explains why a lot of people drop off at uni. And uni takes a whole left turn because at uni, the discipline and the requirements and the rhythms of what's required is now on the individual. And what was externally imposed now needs to be internally motivated. And that's why people can lose it at uni. And that's why whether it's education or whether it's even in your discipline, discipline now, you know, at home you're watching right now and you're like, oh, I can't well. Yeah, the discipline of saying, no, I'm going to get up. I'm going to do church at home. Okay, they put me in lockdown. Well, they can't lock me up. So I'm going to get ready. I'm going to stand before the house of God. I'm going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'm going to come into his courts with praise. And I'm not not going to feel like it all the time, but guess what? I can't be led by my feelings. i got to speak to my feelings. You can't hold a job if you only do what you feel. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say follow your feelings. Follow your feelings isn't a mantra. Well, it is, but it'll get you in a lot of trouble. And the resistance that you feel when you do something you don't want to do is the discipline that deepens the structure within you that allows you to survive the shaking. I'm Absolutely no poster child for going to the gym, but I'm giving it a shot. Thank God for Troy Anderson, who texts me three times a week, even though he can't be bothered going to the gym either, and says, hey, Pastor Buck, you ready to go to the gym? And he doesn't want to go. I'm hoping he doesn't send the text, but he sends the text, and I loyally go, let's do it, with exclamation marks while I crawl out of bed. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't feel like it. But once you get there and you get out, you know, I don't always feel like going to connect group. Oh, that's a bad confession. Now, if you're in my connect group, I love you. I just don't always feel like it at about three in the afternoon when I need a coffee. And then yet somehow you get into the rhythm of it. By the end of the night, you're like, oh, this is awesome. I loved it. It was great. But if I follow my feelings, I'm not going to do what I need to do. But so much of what God asks you to do never feels good. Forgiving people when you're hurt doesn't feel good. Loving your enemy, I'm pretty sure, rarely feels good. 
And yet we live in a culture that values feelings over facts. If I feel it, I should do it. No, no, please. If you feel it, don't necessarily think you need to. Well, if I feel it, I am it. No, if you feel it, you're not necessarily it. Don't let your, your feelings are real and they tell you something about what you're going through, but it's not who you are. If you feel sick, you're not, a, that's not a permanent state of condition. That's just what you're going through. Your feelings are powerful, but, 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 but you know, here's the Christian version. The Christian version of, of, of the feelings thing is we, we, we want to feel led. So Christians who want to avoid discipline go, well, I, 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 don't, I prayed about it, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit told me not to join the prayer team. I just don't feel it's right right now. And this season, the Lord told me it's not about church, it's about Him. What? Yeah, in this season, I just need to, you know, and, and we use Christianese, feel led. I, the number of times that people used to talk about, I don't, I don't feel led. And so I, I thought I'd help you all today. I actually brought a piece of lead. This is lead. I mean, it's heavy. It's real lead. Even looks like a fish. Christian lead. Lead. To all of you who don't feel lead, I want to encourage you, buy a piece of lead and then feel it all you want. And then once you felt led, go to Connect Group. Once you felt led, get up and pray. Once you felt led, decide to worship the Lord. Once you felt led, read your Bible. Once you felt led, forgive your friend. Once you feel led, reach your neighbor. Oh, I don't feel led. Well, great news. Go buy a piece of lead. In fact, everybody in Perth can come and touch the lead. You know, we're gonna, we should put one at the back of every campus. And when anyone says, I don't feel lead, well, you're in luck. Because today we have a piece of lead right out of the back. Feel it all you want. Oh, I feel lead. And then go do something. Because your feelings aren't going to build depth. Your discipline will. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12. Ready? This is a message version. I love this version. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you to say nothing of what Jesus went through. All that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves. I'm going to keep smiling through this passage because it needs it. Oh, have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. How do you hear that sentence? Is it the child he loves, he disciplines? Or is it the child he loves, he disciplines? The child he embraces, he corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. The trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training. We have a, Troy and I have a personal trainer. I think he's a personal punisher. He's not a trainer, but it feels like punishment. But it's not punishment. It's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us. He's the perfect parent who's not trialing and erroring on you. He knows what's good. He knows what's right. And he is training us to live his best. Here's, here's, here's where it lands. At the time, discipline isn't much fun, and everybody said, yeah, it always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely for it is the well-trained who find themselves mature. Everyone say mature. 
It's the well-trained, the well-disciplined, the well-instructed, the ones with depth who find themselves mature, deep, strong enough in their relationship with God. So don't sit around on your hands, no more dragging your feet. Here's Here's the bottom line. We like information, we don't like instruction. And yet without instruction, nothing can be formed within. And living in a culture that elevates and celebrates feelings, it means in the midst of that culture, when I engage in the discipline, regardless of how my feelings are, and I engage in the resistance of doing what I, you know, there's a there's, a, there's an edge that sharpens every time you stand against your flesh. Do you realize that when you say, you know, I don't feel like it, but I'm still going to do it. When you say, when God says, I want you to persevere in prayer, there's something about the perseverance in prayer that actually shapes you. The king struck the ground three times. The prophet never told him the number. He said, start. He never said, stop. He decided when to stop. And the prophet said, if you'd gone five or six times, you'd have seen a greater victory. There's sometimes a perseverance that shapes us. And God is not asking you to persevere he's trying to torture you or delay your miracle he's actually in the perseverance building a depth so that the seed that you're believing for can take root strong enough that it can survive a pandemic it can survive a crisis it can survive crazy stuff that's why a sacrifice of praise is a good thing when you don't feel like praising praise when you don't feel like worship worship when the worship leader says lift your hands and go i don't feel like it lift your hand it's not about militant or just do it it's actually saying i'm not going to be led by lord feelings i'm going to be led by lord jesus there's a big difference and then you realize as you do this forgiving and giving and loving and committing and serving all of that those seeds take root because you put a structure within jesus said make disciples not daffodils Make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do all. Not, make, make, make cute daffodils. Just suggest whatever they feel suits them in 2020. Out of all the things that I may have mentioned, and you know, maybe I'll be with you in the good times. That's not what he said. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples of all the nations. Why last words so weighted? Because he loves you enough to want you to survive the storm. He wants you to embrace the structure that comes. You know, the best coach in the world in any discipline can teach you, but unless you engage in the discipline, it does you nothing. Does you no good. And for the seasoned Christians going, yeah, this is a good message for those young people. You know, I read about a classical concert pianist who um, described in an interview how he, for hours, disciplines himself. He's the peak of his powers. Seasoned Christian, I mean, he's the top of his game. And he says if he doesn't do his rehearsal, his practice, his discipline for one day, he can feel it. He says if he doesn't do it for two days, his coach knows it. And he says, in his words, if he doesn't do it for three days, he thinks the world will know it. And this is the one who's at the top of his craft. We don't graduate from discipleship. We never, you graduate from greenhouse, you graduate from uni, you graduate from what, you don't graduate from God. I embrace what you're doing in my life. It's not a season I'm over, it's a season I'm embracing. And more than ever, God needs believers with deep root systems. And finally, number three, your decisions determine your discipline. Your decisions determine your discipline. So your depth determines your destiny, but your discipline determines your depth, but your decision. Everyone say decision. Proverbs 29 says, without a vision, people perish. People cast off restraint. They throw off discipline. So if you're sitting here going, man, I need more discipline in my life. Look, the truth is you're probably really disciplined in some areas and totally indisciplined in others. And any, every honest person would say, yeah, that's true. All of us are like that. So the, the challenge is, how do we fix indiscipline? And the solution to indiscipline is never more discipline. 
The solution to indiscipline is vision. Where there's no vision, indiscipline kicks in. No better example than when you're getting married, that's why people who could never lose weight suddenly lose weight before a wedding. Because they have a vision. They have a picture of what not only their spouse is about to see, but their grandkids will see on the, on the wall. Oh, was that you, Grandma? Was that you, Grandpa? Yeah, yeah, and I looked awesome. And really, after that vision is removed, people cast off restraint, and all the people married more than five years said, And yet, despite all the vision, I'm not here to go, I can can inspire with vision today, but really, it's vision that leads to decision that determines your discipline. You know, this week is Connect Week. I know the senior leader just globally admitted he doesn't always feel like going to his Connect. So, yeah. But does that mean you don't go? No. Yeah, you're on Zoom. Oh, Zoom. Zoom, I'm over Zoom. I know, I'm over 2020, but that's not the point. Zoom in. Zoom on. If you can't be in the room, be in the Zoom. But get into the discipline. You know, you know with, with, with Greenhouse, that's why I encourage people. People go, ah, nah, I did some course like that in like 2015. It's like saying, like me telling my trainer, yeah, I did kettlebells last month. I don't need to do them anymore. This is not about a new thing. This is about keeping myself in structure so that the seeds can take root. You know, our church in Perth, which is going so well. And yet there's probably still some people staying at home. Now, if they're sick, obviously we understand. And if there's concern, but there are people still staying at home just because they got so comfortable in their pajamas. They'll go shopping. They'll go to the restaurants. They're probably watching now. I <laughs> love you. But you got to hear this. At what, see, this is not about, oh, well, it's technology. It's a new way of doing church. No, 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 no. What you don't realize the enemy will do is he'll sink you and lull you into losing structure. The soil gets shallower and shallower. I've never seen anyone quit on God, quit on church, and somehow their life long-term turns out better. Never. Ever. It's a decision. And yet I can hear some people going, oh, this message is honestly enough. This is anti-grace. Where's the grace message gone? What about Christ at the center? Well, it's Christ who said, go into all the world and make disciples. Just letting you know. It's Christ who said a lot of the things that I'm referring to. But, but, but here's the thing. Let's be very clear. We can do nothing without God. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. Let me, let me read to you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10 as we get ready to close. It says, for by grace, everyone say grace, you've been saved through faith. Say faith. And that not of yourselves. So let's get this straight. The grace is from God. We can't save ourselves. The faith to access that grace, we don't even have that. So even that God gives us as a gift. Not of works lest anyone should boast. For we are His handiwork created in Christ Jesus. So get this about God. He made you. We managed to mess it up. Then He he came Himself. He died on a cross. He gave us grace. Oh, you don't have the currency to buy it? Here's some faith. He made you. He gave you the grace. He gave you the faith. And then He gave you good works which God prepared beforehand. So He even planned it out for you. So how much of this so far have we contributed to? Nothing. He made me. He planned me. He gave me a destiny. I messed it up. He came and became the price. He gave us grace. He gives us faith. How much have I had to do with it? Nothing. But then there's one small problem. The last part of this thing just ruins it for everyone. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It would have been so much nicer if it just said, which God prepared beforehand that God actually lifted our legs and helped us actually finish the entire race ourselves. 
I mean, you did the grace, you did the faith, you created us, you planned that we, that we, that we should walk. Oh man, why was there that last we? Everything else was God. Grace is from God. Faith is from God. Created, created by God, planned by God. But we got to walk in it. Look at your neighbor, say one job. That's it. They got one job. Walk in it. That's it. You don't have to come up with a plan. You didn't make yourself. You don't have to find the grace. You don't even have to find the faith. God will give you all of that. You got one job. Walk in it. Walk in it. Actually engage in the discipline required to get moving again. Reverse that atrophy and say, you know, God's not going to pick up your legs for you. You're actually going to have to walk for it. You're going to have to walk in it. You're going to have to walk in that destiny. God has a plan, but you're going to have to walk in it. God has made a way, but you're going to have to walk in it. He's made a pathway, but you're going to have to walk in it. He's He's cleared the, he, He's given you a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, but you're going to have to walk in it. It's a one-off decision to accept Christ, but it's a daily decision to follow Him. And he's looking for daily walkers. We've got to walk daily. I'll close with this. It's a passage I've spoken before, Matthew 7. He who hears my word and does it. That's like a man who built his house on the rock. There's depth. He who hears my word and does not do it. A man who built his house on the sand. The storm comes to every believer and the ones that collapse are not those who heard the word, but those who don't do it. Your decision, everyone say decision. My decision determines my discipline, which determines my depth, which determines my destiny. God is looking for 30, 60, and 100 full believers all across the planet. And this shaking has only just begun. I'm not trying to be a negative, like heavy duty guy. I'm just trying to tell you that his last words were so weighted because he wants you to go deeper. Like, oh man. Yeah, he wants you to go deeper. He wants, he wants... His seed is so powerful. His seed is from another kingdom. His seed has life in it and it actually needs to take root. It can't take root in a little pot plant. It needs soil. It needs structure. And so I want to encourage you right now, fight your feelings and stand to your feet. Fight your feelings if you're physically able and stand to your feet. Fight your feelings and, and start to cry out to God and say, God, I want to go deeper. I want to go, I want, Lord, I do whatever. I embrace instruction. I embrace structure. God, have your way in me. Come on, I dare you right now to ignore the person around you that maybe you're a little awkward around, you're feeling a bit conscious of. I mean, they knew they came to church at home. Maybe you're behind a screen and no one can see you anyway. But I dare you to fight your feeling. I dare you to fight your feeling. Get out behind your desk. Get out from under your bed. Decide wherever you are online globally right now fight your feeling and say God my lips will praise you my hands will bless you my feet will walk your way God I know there's root systems that you are putting in me Lord we want to go deeper come on right now Lord let there go a deep a depth a discipline Lord we thank you God this is not about works but God this is about depth and Father, we want to go deeper. As a church, we want to go deeper. As families, we want to go deeper. As a city, we want to go deeper. As individuals, we want to go deeper. We want to go deeper, Lord. We want to go deeper. We want to go deeper. Root systems that take roots. Lord, I embrace your instruction. I embrace your words. I want to go deeper. Come on, lift your hands and just begin to tell them in your own words. Come on, in your own words, I dare you. Come on, lift your voice towards heaven. Fight your feelings. He's got more for you. It's a desire to go deeper. It's a desire. God, change my heart and, and fill me with a desire to go deeper. Maybe you don't even know God. I can promise you, if you would say, God, I want to go deeper, He'll, he'll reveal Himself to you. Come on, seasoned believer. 
New Believer, Asia, Africa, Australia, Europe, America, wherever you are. He's inviting you deeper. He's calling you deeper. That's it. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.